You're listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kamajis, a licensed clinical social worker with a multi-state online therapy practice. I have a passion for empowering women and mom therapists to break free of the fear, overwhelm, and oppressive systems that hold them back from taking action and building the private practice of their dreams. My goal is for you to boldly believe in yourself as a clinician and business owner. If you're looking for a place to learn practice building strategy and skill while also claiming your own power as a woman and a therapist, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Hey listeners, welcome to this week's episode of the Raise to Empower podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to explore a topic that has been coming up a lot over the last few years in the world of therapists, and that's exploring additional income streams. More and more therapists are trying to diversify their income and offering additional services apart from that one-on-one therapy or even group therapy, that time that we are seeing direct client hours, direct client contact, and looking to have money made in additional ways. And of course, while there are a lot of people supporting other therapists with making this expansion... I've also seen a lot of naysayers or critics who have their opinions and make that known, sometimes very forcefully, about seeing therapists expand outside of that one-on-one therapy session. I want to just first briefly address the critics before exploring what having additional income outside of therapy might look like for someone. I've heard a variety of different criticism about therapists who are adding this additional income stream. Things like it shouldn't be about the money or you should just be willing to give out or give back to other therapists the information that you have without charging for it. You shouldn't be asking people to pay you for your time. You shouldn't be offering things outside of your license. You should only be sticking to clinical work because that's what your license is for. And honestly, I just hate how judgmental so many of us can be in this profession. Like it's, it's kind of mind boggling at times how we are supposed to have this very non judgmental, open approach with our clients. But when it comes to our colleagues, we bash them. And so when I look at a lot of the judgment that I see coming from many of our colleagues, as I've been reflecting on that, what it feels like is we are taking our values and we're putting those values on other people and calling them ethics. So like if someone values living on bare minimum or not making additional money outside of traditional therapy, that is a value, but it's not an ethical issue or a standard to which everyone else needs to be held. If someone is comfortable saying, you know, I don't want to charge a certain rate in my practice. I only want to take a certain type of insurance because that is what I want to do to be able to serve a certain type of population. That is fine. That is absolutely okay. And I applaud you for that. But that is your value. That is what you are choosing to do from a value-based place. It's not an ethics issue. Ethics in our profession is something that applies to everyone. We are held to a certain standard by our board that puts those ethics together for our profession. And so it applies to everyone. Values do not. 
So I think we need to keep in mind that when we're feeling pressured or judged by others for some kind of change we're trying to make, whether it's just in the therapy world or in our personal lives, or, you know, thinking about expanding outside of that one-on-one therapy, we really need to look at it. Are people judging us through their lens of values and calling it ethics, or is there really an ethical dilemma going on here? One of the questions I think that's good to explore is why are we seeing so many therapists adding additional income streams to their work? And honestly, I I think, of course, there's never just one answer. (laughs) I think there's a variety of reasons, but I do think a big part of it has to do with the current state of mental health care in our country, as well as changes we're seeing in society and our culture. Over the last three and a half years, we can probably attribute some of this to the pandemic. Well, a lot of it to the pandemic, but we've really seen a real shift and intensifying of the need for mental health services. Not that these didn't exist before, but the pandemic and then a lot of just the social upheaval that we've had, um, racial justice issues and, and, um, political climate that we've been in that there's been an intense need for mental health services. And I think because of feeling so isolated during the pandemic, many people were more open maybe to reaching out for services. And we know that through the pandemic that we have seen spikes in anxiety and depression amongst the greater population. And so people are looking to address this. If they haven't already, it's maybe catching up to them now. And they're saying, okay, I I really need to do something about this. While there's this greater need within our society, there's also been a shift in how mental health counseling and just mental health in general is being seen. Now, there absolutely still are stigmas. There absolutely still is judgment and shaming about people's mental health, but there is definitely been a shift towards more openness to talk about the issues, to acknowledge we're struggling, to accept others who are open about that and to seek therapy services. I've had numerous clients talk about family members who have finally sought out their own therapy who would not have done that years ago. So people really are seeking out support. And so while there's this shift that is happening in our culture and in our society where more and more people are seeking services, we know that for those of us in practice, that means we are getting more and more clients. You know, many of us, myself included, especially through the pandemic, because there was just a sense of like, what can I do to help? Right. And so many of us have taken on full caseloads because we see the need or we want to help. And some of us have taken on too many clients. And maybe that is because we're scared of the financial implications if we cut back, or we just don't know how to say no. (laughs) There could be a variety of reasons for that. 
or maybe we have taken on what feels like a balanced caseload. Like this feels like the right amount of clients. This feels like an amount of sessions per week that feels good, but the weight of our personal lives, the weight of events in our family, the weight of our own health or our own mental health is making it hard to feel balanced in our career and in our personal life. It's making it more challenging for people, for therapists to be just in that one-to-one client facing work. One of the biggest challenges solo therapists face in private practice is the struggle of what does it mean to be in session with a client? You know, we don't have support staff. Some of us do have admins or we have virtual assistants, that kind of thing. But for a lot of people starting out, that's not something that we have. And for those, I mean, there are people who've been in practice for decades and don't have that for different reasons. If we are seeing a client, if we are in session with a client, that means we are not anywhere else. When we are working with a client, we aren't multitasking. We aren't taking calls or chatting with colleagues at the same time. We are 100% focused on our client and we are in that chair or on that call with the client and all of our energy is going there. We're not splitting ourselves to focus on multiple things at the same time. And what I've heard consistently from many therapists, especially from a lot of therapists who are moms or caregivers, and this isn't just like moms of littles. This is moms of middle school, elementary, high school, college even, or caregivers maybe caring for a parent or a sibling or another family member. But the struggle is that the sole focus of completely being attuned to what the client needs at that time It has created this struggle of being able to then balance out their caregiver role. So like for me, when I'm one-on-one with a client, I can't have my two-year-old playing next to me. I can't have him in the same room as me. If he's homesick, there's no way I'm seeing a client unless he's taking a nap. I can't run somebody to the doctor without canceling that session. When I have to cancel that session, that means I lose that income. If something comes up in my day that is either a personal or a family need of mine, it requires more often than not to have to miss out on a session because again, we can't be split. Now there are exceptions and this is where also I do believe in our own humanity and the need to have some transparency with clients. But like, for example, this week we had an issue going on with our air conditioning And of course, they just give you a window of time of like, hey, we will call you between these four hours. My husband was going to be able to come home to be available during that time if the repair guy showed up, but more likely than not, I was going to have to be the one to answer that call. And so I did tell clients, hey, I may be getting a call from the air conditioning guy to let me know he's on the way. If so, I just need to answer that really quick. Or if I have a kiddo who was sent to school who like felt good enough to go to school, but it's questionable if they're okay. You know, I let my clients know, Hey, I may be getting a call back from the school. And so there are ways to have that personal life recognized and to take care of it. But again, I can't be on the phone with the school for 10 minutes while I'm trying to have a session with a client. 
the reality is like, again, like that AC guy, I can't be supervising him and like helping him to know, oh yeah, like this thing's working now. No, this isn't. And I can explain things over and over while having a session with a client. That's not possible. So one-on-one therapy can definitely make life challenging when we're trying to balance these multiple roles that we have in our life, especially if our caseload is off balance with the time and energy and focus we need to be giving to another part of our life. It just makes it really, really challenging. Because of this, many therapists are looking at ways to diversify their income, looking at ways to say, can I cut back on clients? Not that I don't want to see clients, but I need to have a little bit more openness and not just this very closed off time to other parts of my life. They're looking at having this other income source that will be able to help them should they need to miss a client or cut down on the number of sessions that they have with a client because of what's going on in their life. We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter Comprehensive Connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real-life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug-and-send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. The other part, I think, too, is to recognize the financial realities of being a therapist. If we are doing one-to-one work with a client, the reality is we're limited by our income by the number of clients we can see, regardless of whether we take insurance or our private pay only, no matter what our reimbursement rate is or our private pay rate is, we are only going to make money when we see that client. So we're limited by the number of sessions we have. For some therapists, even when raising rates to an amount that works for them to give that financial security they need, they're constricted to the number of sessions that they can have while feeling balanced in their personal life. Adding an additional income stream allows them to expand their financial stability without having to have more clients, more of those kind of butt in chair sessions where you are just there with that client and feeling pulled away from other parts of life. So the question that I see a lot of times is what are other ways that I can make money, right? Like if I'm thinking I need something else, I need to not just have this one-on-one time of clients, what are other ways I can make more money? And the truth is there are so many ways we can expand our financial options beyond just that one-on-one therapy. We spend so much time and money getting our degrees that we sometimes feel pigeonholed into only doing things that are in our field or that are mental health related, which of course, it makes sense that if we are passionate about this, we have expertise in it, we have this degree, we want to pursue it, right? Like that totally makes sense. So along those lines, we can consider providing services with either a client focus or a consumer focus or a fellow clinician focus. And I'll kind of break down what I mean by that. 
you know, we could take something that we would normally teach a client one-on-one in a session and turn it into an offering that can serve many people. And that's not limited necessarily to just our state. So that would be client focus. Again, it's not necessarily that you are working with a client, but it's thinking about who are the types of clients that I normally work with? How do I serve other people who fit that description without having to have that one-on-one session with them? We can also offer something totally unrelated to our field or adjacent to our field. I would call this maybe like consumer focused. And so it may be more consumer based, like making apparel or a graphic art that is affirming of the mental health field or of mental health in general. People have created things in Etsy shops and that kind of thing that may have nothing to do with therapy. And so it is just on a more consumer base has nothing to do with your license has nothing to do with your degree, but it's something that you really enjoy. And that is a way to have that additional income. And then the other part that we can consider is to be providing an offering that may be more applicable to say fellow clinicians. So this could be something that is business related. It could be practice related. It could be a course or a training on a modality or on a specific issue It could be a book that we write or continuing education training. It could be business-related coaching or something that will help our colleagues in their own clinical or business work. There's so many different things that you can do. And the world really is your oyster. I know that's kind of cliche, but like it's true. It really is. When you are in a place of entrepreneurship, which is what we are, we are entrepreneurs When we have a business, when you have a private practice, you are an entrepreneur. You can do or create whatever you want as long as it is within the purview of your board's ethics, right? If your ethics say you cannot do this thing, so you cannot sell this thing to your direct clients, that is an ethical issue. You can create what you want as long as it is within those ethics. I've seen people doing all kinds of different things. I've seen people doing continuing education trainings or trainings or speaking engagements for organizations. I've seen colleagues write books that, again, could be client-focused or could be for the fellow clinician. I've seen them create therapeutic materials or offer memberships for clinicians or even for clients, consultations for individuals or organizations. For me, having other income sources like courses that I've created or consultation and coaching that I offer or the village community that I run, offering continuing education events, those things have all allowed me to have additional income that is separate from my therapy practice. You can create what you want. And it's important though, I think, to keep in mind that just like when you start your practice, ask yourself, why do you want to start an additional income stream? If it's because you see everybody else doing it, that is probably not a good reason. (laughs) But if you see this as a way to cut back on one-to-one work, because that's what you need, is because what your family needs, or because it's simply just what you want, right? Maybe you're getting tired of the one-to-one work. I want to encourage you to begin exploring this option of additional income streams. And just like when we're starting our practice, where I always coach people on looking at what is your why? Why do you want to start a practice? Why do you want to be in private practice? 
I want to encourage you to ask that about this additional income stream. Why do you want this? What is this going to provide you? What is your reasoning for doing this? Don't let the naysayers hold you back. (laughs) Remember, ask yourself, are they throwing judgment towards you and others from a place of values or ethics? You are allowed to want more. You are allowed to need more. You are allowed to have more than one business that serves you and your family best. I would really love to hear from you what additional income streams either you've been thinking about or that you've created for yourself. What other business options are you offering? I personally would love to hear about them, but I also would love to share them with our audience. So if you have started to expand and do something outside of therapy, I'd love to have you on the show to talk about it. So if that's something that would be of interest to you, please feel free to reach out to me, whether it's through social media or through email or my website, reach out and let me know what you've got going on so that we can share with our listeners about your work and to help get your name out there and to be able to help encourage others who are thinking about this additional income. Thank you so much for being here. And I will chat with you more next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.